0: Uh, I am in uh, beginning a six part series on the life of Abraham. I started last week. this is part two. Uh, and I have really, as I've studied and prayed over this, uh, God has really spoken in my heart about the lessons from the life of Abraham. And you know, the thing is is that most of us growing up in church looked at Abraham uh, as this monolithic character, without any flaws, God, he was the friend of God, the Bible tells us. He started the Jewish group of people through him. Uh, he calls him out of the era of the Chaldees. And, and as we reflect on this, we see a giant. And he is a giant. But one of the things that we're going to see is that these giants have feet of clay. And God tells us that, and he he speaks to our heart about that because it's a recognition of what that is for us. Because as we walk with God, as we're called to be Christians, yes, he lifts us up. Yes, we are strengthened. Yes, we are walking in the kingdom of God, but yet we have warts and we fall. And God understands that. Uh, And you're going to see that here in this week as we study this aspect of the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 uh, in verses 10 to 20. And what you will see here is an amazing story from this great man, this great man who uh, God called his, his friend. Abraham was the friend of God, and notwithstanding that, everything that Abraham did as he was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, God is speaking to him, but now as he is in traveling in in Canaan into the promised land, he encounters difficulty, he encounters a famine, and we're going to look to see how he approaches this, and it's going to be insightful for our personal life. If you would follow along in Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say, You are my sister. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham, What have you done to me? He said, Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Oh, my. Oh, my. This doesn't look like the giant of faith, does it? This looks like a guy with clay feet. Um, And God shows us this. Because the lesson here is that as great as Abraham was, as great as he would be, the fact that he was the friend of God, you see what happens. He goes into a place where suddenly he's presented with a problem. There's a famine and you don't see anywhere here where he prays to God for wisdom. Lord, what should I do? Lord, where do you want me to go? How do I handle this situation? There's not a word here in the scripture about that. And I would submit to you that there's an important reason why not, and that is that he didn't ask God. And because this is the lesson for us. We become the king of our own domain. You understand that, right? There's certain areas of your life that only you, you believe, can handle. You know best. You know best, maybe it's family relationships. Maybe it's business relationships. But whatever it is, there's certain compartments in our life that we say, don't worry, God, I got this covered. All right, I got this covered. And now you see this here. Self-preservation is an important human characteristic. We understand that. He was afraid of the famine. And so in his human instincts, as he reflected on this, he did what any intelligent human being would be. Let me go down into Egypt. And historically, spiritually, metaphorically, going down into Egypt is not a good thing for Christians. I remember my grandfather, uh, a missionary pastor for many, many times, many years, would say to me every once in a while when I would kind of deviate from where he wanted me to go or do, and it didn't take much of a deviation from my grandfather to speak to me. I want you to recognize that. Even to the extent if I had sideburns, that was a problem too. But he would say to me, hey, Jim, he would always call me Jim. It was his characteristic of what he called people. Hey, Jim, are you going down into Egypt? Are you going down into Egypt? In other words, are you going down into a place that's not within the will of God? Are you going down into a place where the cultural aspects of this world are lifted up? Is that's where you're going. Because you see here, Abram did what any intelligent human being would have done. They reflected on the fact I'm starving, but there's food in Egypt. I'm going to go down into Egypt. But the story gets worse, doesn't it? The story gets worse. Because now he looks at his wife, and his wife apparently is incredibly beautiful. And ladies, this should really give all of you hope. Because at this point, according to theologians, she's about 65 years old. All right? So, this woman at the age of 65 uh, was so attractive, apparently, that he knew there was going to be a problem. He knew there was going to be a problem. So, they concoct a lie. They concoct a lie. Imagine that the man who would be effectively the foundational aspect for the Jewish people, the person through whom Jesus Christ would come in the lineage, the friend of God. In fact, they speak in the Old Testament about those who die being in the bosom of Abraham. This man would concoct a lie. Tell them you're my sister. Tell them you're my sister. Uh, and that way they won't kill me. Well, of course they won't kill you, but then what happens? They take her, the Pharaoh sees her, and they bring her into court, and they, he takes her as his wife. Now, you see what happens when you're in the midst of this crisis of faith, this crisis of ethics, this crisis of truth, that all of a sudden we dig a hole. And the whole gets worse. Okay, we went down to Egypt. We didn't ask God, but now it gets worse. Now we're going to lie about you, Sarah. Now we're going to say you're my sister and you're going to go in there. And guess what? Pharaoh's going to take her into the court. He's going, make her, uh, he's going to make her his wife. But you know what? We'll get through this because, oh, look, I'm getting a lot of nice gifts. How about that? I'm getting a lot of nice gifts, uh, servants and cattle and money is being deposited right on in front of Abraham in every possible way. So really, it doesn't look like such a bad deal. Um, and, and so you see this and yet God tolerates this. I mean, this is, this is one of the lessons to, to, that really lifts up my heart, that even as God sees this conduct that is outside of his will. He sees us doing things that that really go against him. He doesn't destroy us. You don't see God saying, you're a loser. I'm done with you. I'm not going to use you. What a mistake it was for me to call you my friend, that you are the future of the Jewish people, that Jesus Christ will come through your lineage. You don't see that. And yet what would we do? What would we do if we had picked such a person uh, in every uh, possible way? And so you see this here as this terrible story. And you know what? This is a story that we don't really study too much. And in many ways, it's just as bad as the story with David and Bathsheba. Just as bad as the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, as, as David uh, obviously sinning with Bathsheba and sinning to such an extent that in order to cover his tracks, he sends uh, his, her husband, Uriah the Hittite, into the front line so that he would be killed, all right? Uh, and effectively becomes complicit in murder, all right? And here you see, you see Abraham concocting a story so that his real wife would be accepted by Pharaoh and he would be protected and nothing would happen to him. And yet it's the same story. And yet what you see here is God loving us even in our worst moments. And the message here is this, that if you are a child of God, if you are called by God, yes, you will fall. But God will still love you. He will lift you up, he will protect you. He will affirm you even as he looks at you and and possibly dispenses judgments against us because we recognize that those of us who walk with God who are anointed by God, who are called by God, even as we do this, will have feet of clay. Let me assure you, nobody has bigger clay feet than I do. All right? And I would say the one thing that we know as we look out in the congregation, you all have clay feet. And God loves you anyway. He understands you because he sees you. He understands the human nature, the human component. And so you see it. We saw it with David. We saw it even with Noah. Do you remember with Noah? After Noah was called by God to start the human race all over again and saved through the flood. And then shortly after that, when the boat was, was came on land, shortly after that with a few years, we know that Noah got drunk one night and rolled around nude, really slandering himself, embarrassing himself so that his family saw that. You know, you think that this is the guy that God called to be the start of the human race? Clay feet. Or David, the 16-year-old who God anoints to be the head of, of Israel, who eventually would be the greatest king in the history of Israel, who at some point goes up to the roof of the castle of the, of the temple and, and sees Bathsheba bathing and then concocts his story so that her husband will be killed and he will become her husband. This is that guy, God? This is the guy that will be in the lineage of Jesus? Father, what is this? Or Peter, how about Peter? You want that? Go, oh, Lord, I will give my life for you. Nothing will ever happen to you. I will be with you every step of the way. And Jesus says no, no in about 24 hours, you're gonna deny me three times, ton- clay, clay feet. And so here's the point, congregation. The flesh will always find a way to fail. Don't ever think that because God has called you, God has saved you, God has brought you out, that you will never fail. Don't go there. Every day of your life, bow before the throne of God and say, Father, give me strength. Father, be with me because I know I will fail. I know there will be shortcomings in my life. Don't ever think that because God has saved you that you are free from that issue. Look, effectively when Abraham was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees, that was metaphorically salvation. He was saved. He came out of the pagans. He didn't worship the moon god anymore. And yet this great man who God called would shortly thereafter fall into a series of lies. And because he would not, not bow to the will of God. Because he wouldn't ask God. You understand? He wouldn't seek the face of God. God. He wouldn't ask God, what do you want for me in this part of my life? And I can't emphasize this enough to you, church. How I really want you all to constantly bow your head and your hearts to the throne of God. Father, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Lord, do I go down to Egypt? Even though it looks like I may starve here, Father. Or do you have some other plan in my life? Couldn't God have taken and prepared a a food for him the way he did for the Jewish nation as they walked through the wilderness? Couldn't he have delivered manna and quail? You know that. God is great. He could have done all of that. But instead, what do we do? Oh, no, I got this, God. You take care. You can take the day off. I've got this. I know how to handle this problem. I'm capable of doing this. And so you, you see this. Uh, and, and so it becomes important. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 12. We'll start with verse 11, actually. These things happened to them, that's Israel, as an example, and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm... Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under What a tremendous verse that is, as we understand how God takes care of his children. So you are all the children of God. Every one of you has been called to serve God, to be in the kingdom of God. And yet you know, as we've gone here today, that you have feet of clay. While you live in this world, before you go to the next world, you carry the flesh around, and you have feet of clay. And so what does that mean? It means that you're guaranteed at some time to be tempted, and when you're tempted, some of the greatest temptations, I say, are temptations of the mind. Oh, I can take care of this. I'm smart. I'm competent. Don't worry, God. I've got this covered. Those, that's a series of words you should never say as a Christian. Don't ever think that you have something covered. Instead, bow your head and ask God to be with you, to give you wisdom, to direct your path. In humility, Lord, how do I handle this? How do I speak? Where do I go? What do I do? And that's the lesson here as you see this uh, in the life of Abraham. Listen, if this could happen to Abraham, how much more likely is it that something like this could happen to us? And so you see it. And these decisions are like pebbles thrown into a pond and the ripples go out. And what do I mean by that? The decisions that you make like this, they have, they don't, they're not just affecting you, or your spouse, or your children, but your family, and your friends, and even, dare I say, the church. All these decisions in our lives that we make, recklessly make, without seeking the will of God, uh, all have terrible implications. Uh, in the kingdom of God. And so Abraham had created a terrible mess. What a mess he had created. He's in a foreign country. He doesn't know anybody. His wife is now living as the wife of Pharaoh because he set it up. Now he's gotten all these gifts. How am I going to get out of this? You think he thought about that? You think maybe then he got on his knees and said, God, help me, please. I'll bet he did. All right. What was he going to do? Knock on the door of Pharaoh and say, listen, I, I need to talk to you because we may have had a miscommunication here. I know you thought she was my sister. I probably misspoke. I didn't say it exactly the way I should have. And the next thing you know, he's in the gallows. He's dead. He knows this. He's finished. He's finished. And so God, help me, Lord, help me. And what do you see God doing? God reaching down for one of his children who has fallen. And what does God do? He inflicts plague on Pharaoh. He inflicts sores and disease on the house of Pharaoh. Does that sound similar to what's going to happen about 650 years when the Jewish people are in uh, captivity in Egypt and ultimately Pharaoh will be forced to release them? Doesn't that sound a lot like that? And so you see this. God directs those issues to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh's heart would be turned and Pharaoh would, in fact, be forced to give up Sarah and return her to Abraham. And look how God does, how he blesses him. You would think after this mess that all the gifts that he had gotten would have to be given back. No, God says, that's all right, Abraham. I love you. You're going to do great things with me. I know you're weak. I know you have feet of clay. I'm going to let you keep all because I know where you're headed. I know where your heart is. You will be used mightily. Uh, And so one of the things that we see here is that God does not repay to his children uh, the judgment to his children that our very iniquities might demand. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verses 8 to 14. And I think this is so great. As we see this, this is a Psalm of David. Who would know better how God treats his children even when they fall? Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, underline that, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is, From the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. That is your father. That is your God. That's the extent of the love that he has for you. How how great that love is, so that even when you fall, even when your feet of clay come into into play, God remembers this, uh, and so we see this in, in in the life of Abraham in this possible way, and I and I believe that this uh, story metaphorically about the salvation of Abram uh, significant signifies what what will happen in six hundred and fifty years when the Jewish people will be saved from Egypt. Again, it's the same story. And so the lesson for us today is this, that God can use our failures and our sins and our warts to teach us valuable lessons in order to prevent us from making more tragic decisions in the future. We learn here that the flesh is constantly at war against the spirit within us. Constantly, don't think that this doesn't happen on a regular basis, and that if we let down our guard, if we get careless, our human nature will overpower our spiritual nature. Uh, and in First Peter chapter five, verses six to eight, it's so well said when the apostle Peter, after having gone through this himself, says the following, humble yourselves, therefore, What a poignant message from our brother Peter. That's exactly what it's like in this world. We live in an evil world. We walk in a world controlled by Satan. Make no mistake about it. Don't ever think I'm immune. I'd never fall. Jesus, don't worry about me. I'll go to my death to serve you. And then all of a sudden, some inconsequential temptation comes up. And boom, we fall. And then we're crushed. We're crushed. God doesn't want you to be crushed. God wants to pick you up because he loves you. And because you're a child of God, he's going to lift you up and exalt you and affirm you and bring you along so that you will have further use in the kingdom of God. Listen. Abraham would be stronger than ever after this failure. We will never again see this kind of failure in the life of Abraham. We are gonna see so many examples where he stood tall, even to the point where God would ask him to sacrifice his own son, showing his service to God, and he would honor that, he would do that. Who would do that but someone as great as Abraham, someone that was completely sold out to God. And so God's faithfulness here ensures us that even when we find ourselves off course, as we will, whether because of some sin or some bad decision in our life that has overcome us, his grace will overcome everything. He will lift you up. He loves you more than you can ever know. And he values you. And he wants to use you in the kingdom of God in the mightiest of ways. And so even though we recognize we have feet of clay, and even though we recognize that we're subject to failure, God knows that we are dust. He recognizes that, and yet he loves us. And he calls us in love to raise us up to continue to use you. Every single one of us will have something in our lives that we're not proud of. Some sin that we did, some failure that we did, and God wants you to know I've forgotten it. I have removed it as far as the east is from the west. I love you. I care for you. I'm going to lift you up because the future, the future with God is far greater, far greater than the past. Amen, church? Let's just close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this message, Father. I thank you for the lesson of Abraham. Father, I thank you to show us this great patriarch who would be used mightily by you, Father. And yet, despite it all, he had feet of clay. And we know, Lord, that you did that so that you can demonstrate to us our own failures. Father, lift us up and help us to recognize that we all have feet of clay. But help us, Father, to submit our hearts to walk with you, to never be the captain of our own ship, to never think that these are decisions that we can make, to put it on you, Lord, because there's no decision that can be made without you first, Father. And so we bow before your throne. We submit to you in every possible way, Lord. And we ask you that this message resonate in our heart as we reflect on it this week, as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. Amen, Jesus.